Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Nirmal Malaikul. Seven states along the Colorado River have been fighting for months over how to divvy up major cuts in water deliveries. And now, the Supreme Court is weighing a case that could make that even harder. The Navajo Nation, a Native American tribe in the Southwest, wants the federal government to assess how much water it needs for its sprawling reservation and then manage the river in a way that protects it. That's a big ask, though, since protecting more water for the tribe would mean taking away water from farmers in cities that are using it now. But during oral arguments on Monday, the justices appeared receptive to the tribe's case. So today, Politico's Annie Snyder on what's at stake in this case for the Navajo Nation, Southwest states, and the Biden administration. It's Tuesday, March 21st. The Navajo Nation has the largest reservation of all tribes in the U.S. It sprawls across 27,000 miles, mostly in Arizona, but also in parts of Utah and New Mexico. And it's not only an extremely arid landscape, it's also very rural. And it's also very poor. And there is really a dire situation on this reservation when it comes to access to water. Roughly one in three households, thousands of people on this reservation lack running water in their homes. And that has brought a real burden. Not only are they spending a lot of time and at their own expense hauling water over long distances, it's also created sanitation problems. And all of this is particularly poignant because the reservation is actually bordered at parts by the main stem of the Colorado River, this workhorse waterway that provides water to millions of people across the western United States. So they're not actually asking the court for what quantity of water that they have rights to. They're asking the court to order the federal government to assess what that name might be and to protect it so that that water is there when a decision is made about what quantity of water they might have rights to. Got it. And this is a case that has some big real world implications, right? It does. So the Colorado River, as it stands right now, every single drop of water in the lower stretch of the river that we're talking about here is already being used. And so if the tribe is asking the federal government to protect its water, which isn't being used right now, that's going to come out of somebody else's usage. And of course, the context to all of this is not just that the river is overallocated, but that it's shrinking. We know that climate change is shriveling its flows, and the seven states and the farms and the cities that are using that water right now are all already fighting over how to make some drastic cuts just to preserve the ability to deliver water along the system as it is. If you've got another entity, if you've got this tribe coming in that's not using water right now, and suddenly they're right, this nebulous unknown quantity has to be protected on their behalf, then that really has the potential to upend those negotiations and the sort of status quo as it is on the river. Right. And you're reporting how the justices appeared sympathetic toward the tribe's arguments on Monday. What caught your attention there? 
Yeah, so a number of the justices seemed sympathetic to the scenario that the tribe is dealing with, to this lack of infrastructure, the lack of access to running water that tribes have. The Supreme Court in a 1908 decision ruled that even if a treaty between a tribe and the federal government doesn't specifically mention water, if that treaty is creating a reservation or aimed at creating a permanent homeland, there is an implicit right to the water necessary to do that. And so during oral arguments, on Monday, many of the justices seemed to respect that ruling. The question is, is it sort of a paper right, a legal right to water? Or does the federal government have an obligation to build the infrastructure that allows them to actually access wet water, basically to move that water onto the reservation? And that was something we did hear some concern from justices on, you know, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, as was Justice Samuel Alito, two of the court's conservatives. So I think that practical piece of it, that question about what are the contours of the federal government's responsibility here, was really weighing on them. Got it. And we know the Biden administration has made some pretty big promises about doing right by tribes. Can you help me understand why they'd be opposing the Navajos' claims here? So what the Biden administration is arguing here is, yes, they acknowledge that tribes do have these implied water rights stemming from their treaties, and the federal government does have a sort of generalized responsibility for protecting those rights. But the Biden administration is arguing that they don't have a sort of enforceable, affirmative duty to go out and assert these rights on the tribe's behalf at every turn, and that they can't be held responsible in court for not doing what the tribes want them to do with respect to these rights. So what they're really saying is Congress has not passed a law saying that we must act with respect to these rights. And so what we have is a much more general responsibility. We might be talking about the Navajo Nation now, but these implied water rights are true for every tribe that has a treaty with the U.S. government. And so whatever the Supreme Court might rule here with respect to the shape of the federal government's responsibility would have implications across the country, not just with respect to the Interior Department's obligation to those tribes, but also to the sort of Nebraska geographic location that those where those tribes sit. Many of those are already water stressed areas where you might be seeing a scenario like what we see here. The other thing that I think is helpful to point out is that those tribes that do have settled claims, many of those were settled not through litigation, but through settlement negotiations. I think that is a big part of the context for what the Navajo are arguing here. If they were to win and to either get a decreed right to water on the main stem of the Colorado River or a strong decision that made it clear that it was the federal government's obligation to protect whatever that right might be, that would really give them an upper hand to go into negotiations with the federal government to settle that claim. And those kinds of settlement negotiations often involve a tribe agreeing to take a smaller quantity of water than they might otherwise have rights to in exchange for, for instance, infrastructure that can help get that wet water to their reservation. That is a really important piece of the puzzle here when it comes to the Colorado River, because a right to the main stem of the Colorado River is a very valuable thing and becoming ever more so valuable as the river is shrinking. And so while it might not be practical for the tribe to either themselves or to ask the federal government to build that pumping station that pumps water up thousands of feet of a canyon wall, they might be able to market that water, sell that water on an annual basis to thirsty farms and cities and use the money from that to maybe dig deep groundwater wells that would be closer to the people who need the water now, or otherwise improve the quality of life on the reservation. That would be a very important revenue stream. Also, 
In other water news, on Monday, a federal judge blocked the Biden administration's new rule defining the scope of the Clean Water Act, but only within Texas and Idaho. The litigation contends that the Biden administration overstepped when regulators released the new Waters of the United States, or WOTUS, rule in late 2022. The judge granted an injunction request by the two states, but denied pleas from industry groups to stop the rule nationwide. Right now, litigation brought by other states and industry groups against the rule is playing out elsewhere around the country, including in district courts in North Dakota and Kentucky. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Nirmal Malaykul, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.